0: And hello, everybody. Welcome to Radio Free Asgard, episode 374. Happy solstice, everybody. Yeah, it is summer, officially summer as of today. And yeah, it is uh, hot, and we've had really nice weather. I can't really complain too much, but summer is definitely, definitely here, and I cannot believe that we spent the entire spring in lockdown. Yeah, people are not supposed to be going out of their house except with a mask blah 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 people have been ignoring this left and right and you know you can see in some parts of the country it's out of control so welcome to corona world where it seems like people are bound to determine to not let this thing go away what really kind of irritates me and this maybe speaking as a traveler this will have some resonance with some of y'all out there is that uh you know, pretty soon the rest of the world is going to have this under control and the U.S. is going to be the only place where it's not under control. And that's difficult, you know, for for those of us who like to travel because, you know, people are not going to be letting us go anywhere. We're just going to be locked out of the rest of the world because of the idiots here who won't wear masks and won't socially distance. And uh, it's it's one of those things that makes you want to bang your head on the table. So anyway, I'm not going to do that because that'll make weird noises on the uh, on the podcast. Like, yeah, stuff like that, and that, that's the, those are the types of noises we really don't want. Anyway, so uh, hope everybody is is having a, a good solstice, and uh, we don't have a lot else to talk about here at the top of the show. However, we do have an issue of Thor to cover, so let's go ahead and move along to our review. Cross the Rainbow Bridge, trough, And this week we are looking at the mighty Thor, number four hundred and three, May of nineteen eighty nine is the cover date. Cover price is seventy five cents. Cover art is by Ron Friends, inked by Joe Sinnott. Shows Thor, and he is being attacked by a armored figure, kind of familiar looking armored figure, and we it is at least in theory, the Executioner, who we saw kind of fade away into nothing last issue, so how? Uh, uh, and uh, we have the Enchantress as well, and it says Thor versus the Enchantress and the Executioner. Why does the mighty Thor refuse to do battle? And we see that the uh, Executioner is swiping his axe at Thor and uh, smashing the edge of a building, and Thor's dodging the um, dodging the blow, but he's not uh, fighting back. And we have the evil enchantress in the background, scowling, and looks like she might be pointing and laughing, etc. And we also have a borb says, "Plus a mini epic tales of Asgard," so we have that to look forward to as well. We open up to the splash page. When the executioner calls. This was written, words, pictures, and plot by Tom DeFalco and Ron Friends. Finished art is by Joe Sinnott. Lettering is by Michael Heisler. Coloring is by Max Scheel. And editor is Ralph Macchio. Thor is caught in the middle of a big explosion. And it says here, returning to Earth after the War of the Gods, the Asgardian Avenger visits the construction site of his friend, Jerry Sapristi, and unexpectedly becomes embroiled in a savage battle. And yeah, so there's rocks and stuff lying around, and Thor is dodging. It's actually, uh, I don't think this one's a direct steal from Kirby, but it, of course, very Kirby ish the way that, uh, that Ron Friends has been drawing. And of course, Sinet doing the uh, finishes, of course, makes it make, look even more like Kirby. Uh, Thor is thinking to himself, My foe seeks to overwhelm me with this massive barrage of stone and mortar, but I shall not fall. I shall not fail. And a voice. Give it up, Goldilocks. You can't win. You can't survive. And you certainly can't defeat a living elemental with the power of quicksand. And we get a double page spread here. It is Thor versus quicksand. You've got Thor with his, uh, actually an old version of his costume, which is sort of the armpits bared... A version of of Thor's tunic, which I don't think we had last issue, but anyway, it's anyway. Regardless, uh, we've got uh, quicksand on one page and Thor on the other. Lots of rocks and stuff flying around. Quicksand's uh, hand is is like a big old hammer, and uh, she's thinking to herself, "I really hate resorting to this corny grade B movie dialogue, but it's an effective way to hide." The less Thor knows about the real me, the woman trapped within this monster's body, the safer I feel. Where the heck is Mongoose? I only agreed to draw out the thunder god out into the open because he promised to help me regain my normal appearance. Why doesn't he strike? What's keeping him? And she says out loud, you're dead, blondie. My sandstorm will soon bury you beneath a few hundred tons of debris. You seriously underestimate me, woman, says Thor as he knocks her boulders and stuff aside with his hammer. I am the lord of the storm, the lord of the wind and rain. My enchanted hammer can easily generate a controlled wind tunnel, a concentrated column of air, which can effortlessly sweep up your threatening blocks of stone and rock and send them blasting into space. And he does something like that. Um, There's a giant foosh, and we see lots of the uh, the waste going flying up into the air, and there's various people kind of lurking around in the foreground. And I wonder, you kind of wonder if they're meant to be people, you know, because some of them look kind of suspicious. But anyway, anyway, he does that. And then he takes his hammer and he strikes the ground with a co And he uh, shouts out, enough of these childish games. Speak to me. Tell me why you are here, why you attack these defenseless mortals. And quicksand is like, it, it is impossible. You shut me down with a single blow. And she's thinking to herself, mongoose baby, where are you? And we see uh, Jerry Sapristi, and we've got um, the oh Eric Masterson, and then Kevin Masterson is also there. And Kevin is still wearing his little Thor costume from last issue. Kevin has this weird sort of vampire face that, that's kind of, anyway, um, and Ke- Eric is like, you all right, Jerry? Yeah, Eric, sure. I just wish I knew what was going on, he thinks, and why that sand lady came after me. This is too cool," says Kevin Thor. Rules, and we shift scenes to a aircraft who's hiding up in the clouds over a Kirby New York City, and a voice: "The woman has done her part. She has lured the thunder god into the open. And this is that armored mystery character that we had uh, uh, from before, who's kind of dressed kind of like Mysterio, or he's kind of kind of like Asgardian armor, but he's got this bubble and his head like Mysterio." Hurry, mongoose, there is much to do in so little time. We must prepare the vivisector. And mongoose goes sc- scampering off, and he says, The poor we will never know what hit him. Yeah, um, I don't think the mongoose is supposed to be British, so I'm not really saying. It anyway. Um, so anyway, at the very moment down below, there's a burst of smoke coming up from the ground, and there's uh, various construction workers here, because obviously this is at the construction site, and they're like, yeah, what's that? I don't know, man. First Brute Benhurst goes berserk. Then the sand creature shows up. And now this hot-looking babe pops out of nowhere. This site is definitely haunted. And it is the enchantress, and she uh, reveals her face, and uh, and she's thinking to herself, At last I have reached the mortal plane. But... Without the aid of the Rainbow Bridge, the journey from Asgard was more difficult, a far greater strain than ever before. However, it appears that I have arrived at a most opportune moment. I may be able to use this to my advantage, and she sees that Thor is fighting quicksand, and she's thinking to herself, at first I must find a champion, a warrior who will obey my every whim, one who would willingly sacrifice his own life, to save mine. Perhaps this Ben Hurst mortal is the one I seek. Now, how did she know about Ben Hurst? This is this is sloppy writing, folks. Anyway, so uh, she, uh, maybe he o- she overheard these other people talking about Ben Hurst, but she, they didn't really give her enough information to think that maybe he might want to fight Thor. Anyway, so uh, she does a little magic uh, motion here in the Uh, very light uh, pink rays shooting out of her hands and blasting upward and says without another moment's hesitation the enchantress vanishes in a flash of mystic energy meanwhile in asgard home of the legendary norse gods we have odin and he's kind of slumped down and, and sitting on the floor of his uh throne room and he's got i don't know looks like a candlestick maybe it's his scepter Not really sure, but anyway, he's kind of sitting on the floor next to a a fire, and the vizier comes rushing in, and he's thinking to himself, Lords of Valhalla, Odin has had another fainting spell. And he says out loud, Sire, you should not be left alone in your current condition. Where are the Crimson Hawks, your Imperial guards? I sent them away, vizier. It would have been unseemly for them to see me in this condition. He seems to be steadily growing weaker with each moment, he thinks. "'Tis way past time for me to undergo my fateful Odin sleep, to regain my strength, my power. But such a sleep in this condition could last months, years, centuries. Where is Thor? Why is he not here? "'Tis his duty to protect Asgard in my absence." And the vizier is thinking to himself, "'How can I tell Odin the truth?' His son has already refused to come home. Has already ignored an imperial summons. The god of thunder has chosen the safety of Earth over that of his homeworld. And we see, we shift scenes slightly. We're kind of underneath Asgard, and we see this green ball, uh, kind of floating up into uh, the rocks underneath Asgard, being a floating island and all that. And it says in the caption. Unknown to the Grand Vizier, the peace and security of Asgard may soon be put to the ultimate test, as a strange cocoon-like object drifts towards the underbelly of the floating city. As if directed by some sinister intelligence, it begins to burrow into the Asgardian landmass. It seeks life and light, and it hungers. And we have this green, globby thing, that's kind of glowing pink And we shift scenes and we are back on Earth and we are in the uh, police station where uh, things are being cleaned up after the uh, door got busted out last issue. It's nice that they remembered that the uh, police station got damaged anyway. uh, So people are patching up the the walls and the windows and some of the people are being bandaged. And uh, so there's uh, somebody is like, what happened here, riot? Pretty close, Detective Stone. Some maniac broke free. And it took almost twenty of us to pacify him. Shame he's a baddie. Could use a man like him in my command. Where is he? We got him wrapped up pretty as a present and stashed him in a basement cell. And of course, is that brute Benhurst guy? And he is in a um, a cell down in the basement. It looks like he's wearing a straitjacket as well. Which that. Okay, so it looks like, yeah, it looks like he might be wearing a straitjacket. He's like, let me out of here. You cops got nothing on me. And the Enchantress appears before him, and she's got this giant axe with her, which she uh, took from the executioner last time. You are the one called Brute Benhurst? Huh? What do you come from? What are you doing with that axe? Fear not, mortal. And the axe kind of slashes his uh, straitjacket to bits, and uh, he's set free. I am the Enchantress, and I've journeyed across time and space to give you power, power beyond your wildest fantasies. And Brute Benhurst grabs the axe, and uh, he says, The axe is surging with energy. You can have it all in exchange for one small favor, says the Enchantress. And her face here is completely blacked out, and I'm kind of wondering if that's uh, an inking error. If there was some kind of problem, why the face didn't look good or something. Anyway, it's, it's completely black. Anything. I'll do anything you say, he says. And we shift scenes back to the construction site where Thor is fighting quicksand. And he's dodging her uh, her blows. And she's changed herself into a tank, which is a very strange thing. Cause, cause this, can the Sandman do that? I guess he could, but anyway. Um, she's like, you're slowing down, wing head. You barely avoided that last sand shell. You won't be so lucky next time. And Thor's like, I know not the reason for this attack quicksand or what you hope to achieve but I've had enough, and he throws his hammer down the barrel of the tank, uh, the tank cannon, and with a bracoom, breaks it apart from the inside, and basically causes her to turn into a big pile of sand. The time hath come for you to learn the painful error of your evil ways, says Thor, and we get uh, cut back to the ship where the mongoose is, he, they're being watched by the the, you know, the armor guy with the bubble on his head through the cosmic voyeur scope. The, the uh, boss guy is saying, hurry, quicksand cannot distract him much longer. Lock on target. It is done, says Mongoose. We shall soon possess the Asgardian tissue samples which the master requested. Yes, and he will use them to create a race of new immortals, new gods. Oh my activate the vivisector and they do and there's a giant pink magenta ray comes bursting out of the sky with a no and there's a and it hits uh, thor on the arm and um we don't really see that it's really damaged him at all but anyway we'll we'll see what happens in the captions here so uh thor goes "arg," and uh quicksand is thinking to herself at last it's mongoose "'Sorry, blondie,' she says out loud, "'but that zap bolt was my curfew. "'You've been a terrific date. "'I haven't had this much fun since my last root canal.'" And she goes running off, and Thor has been staggered by this uh, pink beam, which uh, which hit him, and uh, she goes running away, and he's struggling to get up. And uh, she's thinking to herself, quicksand, as she runs away, "'All right, I managed to complete my side of the bargain, "'so why do I suddenly feel like I've been had?' That ray tore a chunk out of Thor's arm. Why? What does Mongoose really want? Who employs him? And can I really trust them to help me? And it says, uh, even as quicksand races away, the mighty Thor valiantly struggles to his feet until he is unexpectedly swept beneath a familiar wave of nausea. Yeah, so he's suffering from the same problem as Odin, it looks like. Oh, no, the weakness is upon me once more, but, but I cannot allow it to overwhelm me. And we see a shadowy figure coming from around the corner. And it was a very familiar figure because it looks like the Executioner. And he's like, that ain't your only problem, pal. And Thor says, who dares speak to the son of Odin in such a gruff and insulting fashion? A voice comes from behind him. Why don't you just open your eyes and take a peek? No, it cannot be. Not You. And we have a full page here, and it's, uh, of course, the executioner, and he's swinging at Thor, Thor's dodging, but we get a really nice uh, full page here of Thor dodging the uh, the, the strike, and it goes zack and there's like brickwork flying everywhere. We do see now that that that, uh, that pink ray that hit Thor has caused just a, the tiniest little pinprick wound, and that, that wound is bleeding, uh, and uh, yeah, and Thor thinking to himself, no, no, this cannot be happening. My head is still spinning. C- can't focus my thoughts or actions. I barely managed to dive beneath that blow. Is this truly Scourge? My former comrade-in-arms returned from the dead. I must learn the truth before I strike back. And, uh, yeah, the uh, executioner is like, yes, my friend, the executioner is back with a vengeance. What is it, Scourge? Why are you attacking me? You died in defense of Asgard. I cannot fight you, says Thor. And the Enchantress is uh, kind of invisibly hiding and watching all this, and you can tell she's enjoying it. Tis as I planned. Thor is paralyzed by his own sense of honor. And what better way to test my new champion than to send him against the mightiest Asgardian of all? um no that, that's not odin anyway uh, so uh, the, the we see people there, kind of running and screaming from the scene and the enchantress is laughing and thor is being attacked by ben hurst aka the new executioner and uh, he's just whacking and knocking down walls and stuff too bad you will not fight back i was hoping for a real challenge and thor is thinking to himself that helmet distorts the true sound of his voice Is he an imposter or the unwitting pawn of some sinister force? I cannot risk harming him. Perhaps I can subdue him by, oh, no. And so he's being attacked by ice, which is coming out of the axe, which is not a power that I think the Enchantress or the Executioner has ever had before. (laughs) But Anyway, (laughs) he's saying uh, this battle axe can do a lot more than smash things. It can slash through space and draw matter from different places, like this freezing ice from the North Pole. Yeah, so he's uh, just spitting ice all over Thor, and Thor's freezing. Because ice, you know, when you, when you spray it on somebody like it's water, it, it immediately solidifies and traps you in a block of ice, because that's the way ice works. Anyway, uh, Thor's thinking to himself, I waited too long. My hesitation may have cost me this battle. And my life. And Thor is trapped in uh, in ice. And uh, we see all the people who are watching the fight are fleeing. Uh, you'd think all the construction workers would have left as soon as quicksand showed up. But looks like there's an awful lot of them running away now. Now that the executioner has shown up. Anyway, so it says, even as the massive block of ice hardens around the struggling thunder god, panic reigns on the construction site as the workers flee in mortal terror. But then, shoved forward by the unthinking horde, Eric Masterson suddenly realizes... He's been separated from his young son. And Eric has got like a pipe in his hand and he's running away with everyone else. And he's like, Kevin, where's Kevin? What's happened to my son? And he turns around and right as that is happening, uh, Thor is trapped in the ice and the executioner is getting ready to strike with the axe. And he's like, farewell, Thunder God. And uh, Kevin thinks to himself, oh, no, Thor's in real trouble. I can't just stand here and watch him die. I got to do something, anything. And he leaps out with his uh, toy Thor hammer and helmet. And he says, Avengers assemble. And he runs up to uh, the executioner and he smacks him on the ankle with his hammer with a thwap. Um, Doesn't look like it would be very painful, but he's shouting out, get away, leave him alone. I'm warning you. And the executioner is like, what the? are oh, you crazy kid get out of here and he just swats him aside and he's, he goes flying and um thor who's trapped inside his ice can suddenly move and he's like at last the truth has come to light you are not the true executioner you are not my former comrade and i am now free to strike for justice for honor for asgard and he breaks out of the ice and he would uh, you know, go striking at, at the executioner with his hammer, and the two meet in battle, and Thor says out loud, Even at his brutal worst, Scourge would never have struck such a cowardly, unmanly blow. Never would he have unknowingly harmed a helpless child. Verily thou dost stand impealed as an imposter and a craven. And... Um, the, the, they're fighting hand to hand and they're you know, going to bouncing the axe and the hammer off each other. And uh, the executioner says, big deal. I beat you once and I'll do it again. Uh, and the enchantress is still here, invisible, while there's other people still running away from the construction site. That mortal fool has ruined everything, she's thinking. You may have wanted momentary respite, a temporary triumph, says Thor. But a true victory can never come from one who fights without honor, without conscience. And he goes, poom, and knocks the executioner back. And the executioner is kind of blasting energy out of out of the axe and causing more damage on this construction site. That's a lot of bull. It don't matter how you play the game. Winning is the only thing that matters. And uh, Mjolnir comes uh, whacking him in the face with a plam, knocks the axe out of his hand. And uh, Thor says, "Not so. One who steals a victory by deceit can never truly own it. Only the righteous sleep without fear." And he's just punching him over and over again. And he looks like the executioner is not doing well here. True power is measured by the courage of one's heart, the purity of one's thoughts, and the nobility of one's spirit, not the strength of one's limbs. And uh, he's not knocks the executioner into the wall. And uh, yeah, basically the, the fight is, is over at this point. And we shift scenes back to Asgard and the vizier has apparently told Odin what Thor did. And we see Asgard floating there in Kirby's space and uh, Odin is screaming at this point. What? My son refused to heed my summons? Such blatant defiance cannot go unpunished. Not even the mighty Thor can disregard an imperial command. And uh, back on Earth, Thor is uh, picking up Kevin off the ground. And Kevin appears to have shrunk quite a bit in the last few panels. I think they can't decide exactly how old he was because before he was, you know, like a a bigger kid, you know, maybe 10 or 11 years old. And now it looks like he's like a five-year-old because he he barely comes above Thor's knee. Anyway, uh, he's picking Kevin up off the ground. Are you well, young warrior? And Kevin is like, yeah, I guess so. Sorry, I couldn't be more help. You did fine, Kevin, says Thor. I salute your courage and determination. You are a true warrior born and must always use your hammer wisely. And the two of them kind of bop hammers together, and there's a little bit of a lightning crackle. A sacred bond unites all of those who have ever been privileged to wield such a weapon. Not that this is a real hammer or anything, but okay. Anyway, so Kevin's like, wow. And uh, the enchantress comes and uh, she grabs the axe. And we see that uh, um, Benthurst has changed back into his normal form and he no longer has the executioner armor, etc. And uh, so she grabs the axe and uh, she uh, thinks to herself, Thor has momentarily forgotten his foe. Benhurst was unworthy of this battle axe. It is no matter. I shall eventually find another pawn, a new champion. And on that day... Let the thunder god beware. And she vanishes. And uh, Vladimir Lenin is left there standing, looking at this pink wisp of smoke that's uh, disappearing. <laughs> he really does look like Vladimir Lenin. Anyway, uh, so yeah, that is that. The enchanter's vanishes. And uh, we see that the Jerry and uh, Eric Masterson have found Kevin. And they, they're, they're all gathered around. And man, you looked like you were in real trouble there. We thought you were dead for sure. Do not fear, Jerry says Thor, the God of thunder is not so easily vanquished, nor is he. And the sky turns into kirby crackle and orange, and yeah there's all this energy coruscating around, and uh, Thor is thinking to himself, "Odd's oh, blood. The sky has suddenly turned dark and forbidding. Methinks another grave crisis, perhaps the gravest of all, is at hand. And Jerry's like. What is it now? Don't tell me it's another attack. Even an Avenger deserves an occasional break. And a pair of big old eyes appear over New York City, and and big loud voice booms out, Where is my rebellious son? Where is he who would defy an imperial summons? And we see this going over all of New York City. And a bunch of energy is, is kind of whirling around and Thor standing in the middle of the street because that's what Thor does. And uh, he's like, forgive me, father. I meant no disrespect, but silence. The time for talk is past. Tis the judgment of Odin that Asgard shall claim her own. And Thor is surrounded in Kirby crackle and energy. And uh, he is yanked off the face of Earth. Forevermore, MORE, says Odin as he yanks Thor off the face of the earth and uh, leaves Jerry and Eric and Kevin kind of staring after where Thor has disappeared. Uh, what, 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 what happened, Dad, says Kevin. Is Thor all right? Will he ever return? I don't know, son, says Eric. I really don't know. Next issue, something is killing the great gods of Asgard. Uh, And that is the main story of Thor number 403. But we have a Tales of Asgard backup, So let's move along to that. And here we are, Tales of Asgard, home of the mighty Norse gods. Stan Lee presents the boyhood of Thor, the Wolves of Ravenswood. That's actually a street that's not very far from me, Ravenswood. So (laughs) that is about a mile, maybe a little bit more than a mile away. Um, Anyway, so the Wolves of Ravenswood... And there's a uh, guy who is running through the streets. Looks like he's been in the battle. Some of his wounds are bleeding red. Some are bleeding yellow, which has got to be a coloring error. But anyway, um, he's running through the town and he is shouting out, The wolves are back! They've struck again, and there's guards and stuff around. And and, uh, here we also have young Loki and young Thor. Thor is wearing his little skirt dress thing with the big T on the front like he was last time. And uh, he says, the uh, guy is screaming, they attacked me and ravaged my flock. I barely escaped with my life. And we have the credits here. Tom DeFalco was the writer. Gary Hartle was the penciler. Mike Gustavich was the inker. Michael Heisler was the letterer, Michael Rockwitz was the colorist, and Ralph Macchio was the editor. And uh, Thor seems alarmed by this, and he's talking to Loki, and Loki is like levitating fish out of the fountain, and and he's got his little evil baby Loki horns, like uh, we talked about last time, and he's levitating the fish out of it, and uh, Thor is like, Loki, that pack continues to grow bolder. That's the sixth flock in as many days. Come along. Hawk and the Hunter is raising a posse. Bah, I have no interest in such mundane matters, says Loki, because he's playing with fish that's more important. And uh, Hawk and the Hunter is uh, up on the stairway, and people are surrounding him, and he's making a speech. Too long have these wolves run free. The needless slaughter of our flocks must be stopped. Who is with me? And a bunch of the warriors are, are there and volunteering. And Thor comes rushing in, being, you know, young, brash Thor. And he says, I too wish to join the hunt. You are truly the son of Odin, Thor, says Hakon, but you must remain behind. These wolves are killers. I cannot endanger a warrior as young and as inexperienced as you. And Thor looks disappointed and everyone gets on their horse and they're going off to uh, to kill the wolves, I guess. And Loki is thinking to himself, look at him pining away because they won't allow him to risk his stupid insipid life mayhap i can use that to my advantage and uh, loki goes to thor and he says cheer up brother if they won't have you we shall form our own posse you you would join me says thor Aye when have i ever failed you ha 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 and so uh, thor goes to gather stuff together And it says, minutes later, Thor gathers the horses as Loki prepares for the hunt in his own evil fashion. And uh, Loki is casting some sort of spell on a sword. Uh, He's thinking to himself, a simple spell will rob the sword of its strength and provide my foolish half-brother with a most unwelcome surprise. And uh, he goes out to Thor where Thor has the horses and says, A brave hunter needs a worthy weapon. Look what I found for you, Loki. "'I do not know what to say,' says Thor. "'Say nothing. Your happiness is all that matters to me,' says Loki." And it says, "'In the hours which follow, the two young warriors scour the nearby hills and forests until I... there's a scream, and Thor hears it, and he turns his horse towards it, and he says, "'That scream, it came from that distant ridge. "'Behold, the wolves have cornered a young shepherdess, "'and she has naught but a quarterstaff for protection.' And so there's four wolves, and they're encroaching on a young girl. And he goes barreling down the, um, the, the cliffside on his horse. And Loki is behind him, and he, he's thinking to himself, the fool suspects nothing. Hurry, we must fly to her aid, says Thor, for Asgard. And it uh, looks like the girl is holding off the wolves, basically holding them off with her, her quarterstaff. Um, and then Thor's horse trips... And he basically gets thrown on top of the uh, the wolf uh, with his sword, and as the sword hits the the wolf, it just shatters into a million pieces like it's made of uh, like sugar or something, and just just smashes apart. And uh, Thor says, uh, "Odd's oh, blood, Loki's sword shattered on first contact." And Loki is up on the the cliffside and he's um, jubilant here. My plan has worked to perfection, he thinks. And none can prove that I had a hand in Thor's death. And uh, Thor is fighting off against the wolves now. And uh, the, the girl says, Take my staff, young warrior. Your heroics have placed you in greater jeopardy. And uh, so she uh, throws him the staff. And apparently he knows how to use the staff. And he, he's uh, fighting the wolves with it. And one of the wolves is chasing Thor's horse. And the other two are fighting him and he's talking to uh, this girl, and he says, many thanks, kind lady, but what shall you use for protection? My wits, she says, and these heavy stones which were within easy reach. Look, someone watches from above, she says, as she notice Loki up there, and Thor is doing like uh, kung fu moves on these, uh, on these wolves, and now he's fighting three of them, I guess. Thor says, tis my half-brother, and I am certain that he is merely awaiting an opportune moment to aid us. Loki's thinking to himself, I suppose I should maintain the fiction and attempt a distress signal. A pity there's none to see it. And he throws up a, like a magical flare kind of thing up in the air and it, it bursts like a fire, firework. And uh, Thor is fighting and one of the wolves is grabbed onto the, the staff and he, he wrenches it in half so it breaks. Thor's like, oh no, the staff. And the girl's like, do not despair. We still have our courage. aye we are as guardians born, says Thor. Stand behind me, milady. No harm shall come to you while I live. And the girls like, no, a true warrior goddess cowers behind no one. And uh, so you know that they're fighting, and then all of a sudden, a big uh, axe comes flying out from from beyond and hits the wolf with a thack. And uh, the girl says, "Have faith, young prince." Our salvation is at hand. Tis Hakan and his hunters. And yeah, so then a bunch of uh, arrows are skewering the wolves. Looks like the end of the wolves says, more arrows are fired as the grim warriors leave not a wolf breathing. And they're like, we saw your flare and came at full gallop. We were wrong to dismiss you earlier, son. Your courage has surely saved a life. And Thor has grabbed the girl and is helping her down off the cliff. And, and he says he thinks this child would have survived on her own, for she doth possess the heart of a warrior born. And the girl says, My name is Sif, and I am no child. And Hagen is like, Spoken like a true goddess, my lady. All hail the mighty Thor and the lady Sif. And everyone goes, Yay! So they could have quote the origin of Sif here, another version. And uh, Loki is running away on his horse, and he's like, Blast it all. Not only has Thor survived, but those fools now think i a hero. I shall never rest. Never stop trying until I have bested my hated half-brother. Loki shall triumph one day. And on that day, Thor shall live no more. And that is Thor number 403. And we'll be talking all about this issue right after this message. Tell me his name again. Thanos. I think I shall call him. Adam. But return to me again, empty-handed, and I will bathe the stalways in your blood. Thanks, Dan Sounds fair. Korvac's power grows, as does his madness. He would have destroyed us all, had I not pulled us into the Soul Gem. Then Thanos, I'm coming for you. After Xandar, you are going to kill my father? You dare to oppose me. You see what he has turned me into? You kill him, I will help you destroy a thousand planets. It's alright, Adam. We're here to help. Just stay cool. Ugh! I don't want to be here! Resurrections, an Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast. Five years and going strong. Every other week mostly for all of your adam warlock thanos or marvel cosmic needs find it on itunes podbean stitcher spotify and wherever else podcasts are available resurrections adam adam warlock you cannot keep leaving your philosophy books open on the floor i always trip on them in the middle of the night on my way to the can and we're back with a few comments about the issue as we always have. I'm going to start with the uh, Tales of Asgard strip because yeah, I have less to say about it, I guess. All right, so we get a revisionist introduction of Sif. We've seen the introduction of Sif back in the original continuity, of course, and it was absolutely nothing like this. Obviously, now they're setting up the Sif, who is appears to be, you know, 10 or 11 years old in, in the story. As, as sort of a uh, you know a warrior maiden type, as opposed to the goddess of the harvest, which which is how she was originally uh, was originally portrayed in the in the lore. You know, again, it, it's not great what they're doing here and their their various revisions, but it does appear to be at least a fairly original story. When I say original, I mean it's not a story that we've seen over and over again in Thor comics. It, it, as stories go. It's pretty standard, generic fantasy fare. Um, you know, the Huntsman and the Fight and the Young Brave Hero. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a pretty by-the-numbers, uh, like, coming-of-age, uh, you know, hero story, hero's journey kind of thing. Um, of course, obviously, the... The Loki wrinkle to it is, is a whole other thing. I think they did a better job of portraying the Asgardians in this than they have in the past. I mean, at least not everybody looks like a superhero. I mean, they've got you know, sort of fantasy garb, but they, they don't look like they're you know, step, stepping right out of the Avengers or, or whatever else. So the sort of sci-fi edge that a lot of the, the Asgard stories have had um, is not really present here. Um, the art is very John buscemi in a lot of places. I see a little bit of John Byrne creeping in as well. Um, we've, we've got, you know, multiple influences. Some of the art is a little weak as far as the, um, you know, the shape of faces and that kind of thing. People have very odd-shaped heads in this story. Um, can't really say a lot else about it. Again, they have an issue of scale here. Um, sometimes the, the people seem much taller than they actually are. So it's never really clear how old the characters are supposed to be. You know, Loki and Thor appear to be teenagers, but then you compare them in height to everyone else, and everyone else is much taller than they are. And Sif is even smaller yet. So, you know, it's pretty uh, yeah inconsistent. And and maybe maybe again, this is a tryout story of of some kind uh, that they are giving people to giving people to uh to kind of prove themselves uh, and the scary hardle i know i've seen the name around so i assume that he did other things mike gustavich the inker uh that is somebody who was fairly well known in comic circles at this point i think he was doing work on things like uh what uh, uh i think it was uh not DNA agents but it was one of the indie books from the mid-80s that he was involved with and uh, and I'm Justice Machine, I think, is the one uh, where he was also the inker on it. This is kind of a, a foray into uh, mainstream stuff for him. Don't have a lot else to say about the Wolves of Ravenswood. They didn't really mention Ravenswood after the title, so there you go. Uh, I'm, I'm going to assume that they're talking about the street in Chicago that runs north-south through my old neighborhood here in uh, Rogers Park. Moving along to the main story, we have this uh, it 's a continuation of what 's been going on before, so we had this mongoose and quicksand saga they 're obviously working up to something, but they 're doing it very slowly it 's a little bit frustrating. There seems to be some sort of a conflict going on here with ron Friends' schedule he 's only doing layouts being finished beautifully by by Joe sinnet but it's, again, he must be working on an annual or something that is taking his attention away from the main book. And I think that as the result of that, they're also stretching the story out. There's no reason for a lot of this issue to take place. This is basically a whole issue, a fight scene, just filling space until we can get on to the next part of the story. So I'll be interested in seeing what was keeping Ron Friend's attention away. Um, the story, it's nothing special. It's not bad. It's not good. We've got the, quote unquote, the new executioner who is just some other guy with the axe. It would be interesting if they'd done something a little bit different with it. And I'm not sure where these extra powers have come from. The, you know, this is not something I don't think that we've ever seen the executioner do before. You know, like being able to shoot ice out of his axe. Now, I admittedly haven't seen every single story of the executioner. He did a lot of appearances and things like the Avengers that I haven't read. So, if anybody knows better, they can feel free to correct me. Um, but by and large, you know, the story is okay. Again, it's a lot of filler. And the artwork looks pretty good. I have to say that a lot of Kirby crackle and that's something that, that Sinnott is really good at. I think really the only scenes where we have any betrayal of, you know, this isn't Kirby doing the penciling or this isn't Sinnott doing all the penciling is when you have the scenes with Eric Masterson and particularly Kevin Masterson. Drawing kids is hard. And most comic artists don't do it well. And I'm looking at you, John Byrne. Uh, you know, some, some people make children in comics look like, you know, miniature adults, and then the other half the time, they're these weird misshapen dwarves. It's like, it's like no comic artist has ever seen a child before. I think that when, when Power Pack came out, you know, that was one of the few times when you actually had a realistic portrayal of kids in a comic and even with that series as time went on when you got away from the original team that had worked on it uh they started to have the problem where everyone looked way way older than they were supposed to because you know these comic artists aren't used to drawing kids so i get why kevin varies in height and and in proportion uh throughout the issue because you know people aren't used to that I'm not seeing as many blatant swipes here as I saw in the last issue, but it looks to me like there may still be a few Kirby swipes here that I didn't notice. Definitely the Enchantress, very much in a Kirby style. And uh, the the Eyes of Odin above New York City, that could be straight out of a Journey into Mystery comic, taken to a a larger scale um, because it, it takes up half the page. But it's very, very effective, obviously, using the sort of classic style for this classic character. All right, I don't really have a lot else to say on this issue. So once again, folks, thanks very much for listening. We really do appreciate it. If you want to email us, you can do so. The email address is radiofreeasgard at gmail.com. You can also join us over on the Facebook group. Look for Radio Free Asgard in the little search box there, and you will find us. And with that, I am back over the Rainbow Bridge, back to Midgard, and back to the solstice. And we'll see you next time here on Radio Free Asgard. Radio Free Asgard is copyright Tom Harris USA Productions, which is totally responsible for its content. The characters, stories, and situations presented on this program are copyright their respective copyright holders and are presented for entertainment, review, and educational purposes only. No ownership is implied. We make no money from this podcast, and the contents are believed to be covered under fair use. If you like what you've heard on today's program, we'd appreciate it if you leave us an iTunes review, send us an email with your feedback, tell your friends, if you have any, or annoy your coworkers with our incoherent ramblings and silly voices. Thanks once again for listening to Radio Free Asgard.